0: Today we began a, an epiphany sermon series entitled "The Outer Limits of Faith," and I need to tell you where the origin of this series comes from. Last summer, in doing the preparation and the work that I give to put, laying out the lectionary, the sermon themes, and, and ideas for the whole year, I happened to come across something from my childhood. It just—it was something that appeared in. on on the Internet, and it rang a bell back to my childhood, and uh, it took me way back to a TV program called The Outer Limits. Are some of you old enough to remember that? (laughs) And as if that wasn't enough, it also sparked The Twilight Zone, and I'll come to that in a minute. But The Outer Limits um, was this really funky program at least it captured my imagination as a young person. It took place, it ran for about two and a half seasons from 1963 to 1965. And I got to thinking about that, the outer limits, the outer limits. And I was thinking about that as it applies to faith and, and what that means. And so I, I, I kept thinking about it, and I did a little more research on the outer limits. And um, it, uh, it had people like William Shatner and Robert Cole, Robert Duvall, um, Martin Sheen, Carol O'Connor. Remember Carol O'Connor? They took guest uh, appearances in the show. But I went back and I listened to um, how it started because it, it grabbed you. Here's what it said. There is nothing wrong with your television set. Do not attempt to adjust the picture. We are controlling this transmission. And then it goes on to talk about all the things that it can control. And then at the end it said, You are about to experience the awe and mystery which reaches from the inner mind to the outer limits. And then the show. And then it ended at the very end. We now return control of your television set to you until next week at the same time when the control voice will take you to the outer limits. Well, that was uh, quite a show. And I want to talk now about how the outer limits of faith push us out of the things we're used to. And so this series is going to deal with different zones or different ways that we organize and experience our life, different zones, if you will. And a lot of that's going to kind of challenge us and push us a little bit. And that's a good thing. Now, often people come to church simply wanting safety and a place of peace and and comfort, and that's a good thing too, but there are times when we need to be pushed and challenged as well. So if your life is at a place where you've struggled with so much and challenges have been so difficult, this series probably won't be as much for you, but if your life's been running relatively smoothly, nothing runs smooth all the time, but if your life's been running relatively smoothly, then this series may be just what you need. So, we will explore this series together, and each week, we will take control of the sound system and take you to the outer limits of faith. Today's episode is The Twilight Zone. The Twilight Zone. That was a great show, too, um, Rod Serling came up with this idea. It ran from 1959 to 64. It's been rerun and rerun on the different networks over the years. And it had notables such as Burt Reynolds, Roddy McDowell, and Robert Redford. It was quite an experience to turn on the television set and to hear something that got us thinking about our imaginations. And in the first season, here's how that show opened. There is a fifth dimension beyond that which is known to humankind. It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition. And it lies between the pit of our fears and the summit of our knowledge. This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area which we call the twilight zone. Then, in the next season, it went something like this. You unlock this door with the key of imagination. Beyond it is another dimension. A dimension of sound. A dimension of sight. A dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance, of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the Twilight Zone. The Twilight Zone. Twilight is a time when it's harder to see. Twilight is a time when light diminishes, and yet other lights that we couldn't see previously begin to appear. Starlight can only happen and begin to be seen at twilight during this transitional time. Epiphany is the season we find ourselves in, and epiphany is the season of light. You know the story, the wise men came, they followed that light and then they were enlightened. They had a different kind of illumination, more than just what would had happened in the skies and in the heavens, but they had an inner illumination. And they were able to experience and embrace this mystery because, after all, that's what it is when we find ourselves at twilight as the, as the assurance of sunlight gives way to the evening and the dark shadows We see the great mystery of creation when we look to the heavens and the stars above. Our Exodus text that Rick read for us talks about a great mystery. It talks about the people of Israel being freed from slavery, taken into the wilderness for how long? For 40 years. We cannot even begin to imagine what 40 years in the wilderness would have been like But the text tells us that they had no sooner gotten into the wilderness than the people began to murmur and complain. Human nature being what it is, they began to complain about the security they had had when they were in Egypt. Interestingly, now that they had their freedom, they were no longer slaves, they were out of the land of Egypt, and all of a sudden that life looked pretty good because they had three square meals a day. They knew what their pain was. They could anticipate it with their slavery. But at least they knew they had a place to sleep every night and three square meals to eat. And so they complained. And they were even contemplating giving up their freedom for the sake of Painful security. That's a tension we often face in life. It's a tension that they faced. They, I can just imagine those Israelites sitting out there around the campfire in the wilderness looking up at the starlit heaven much as we would and seeing the very same stars that we see on a clear, cool night. And in verse 12, we're told. In twilight, at twilight, they were to eat their main meal. At twilight, they were to eat their main meal. And then in the morning, they were to arise to be nourished by bread. This strange thing they did not understand. We know it as manna, but we don't know what that is really. It was a mystery. You see, all feedings are ultimately a mystery. We know what goes into a loaf of bread. We know what goes into any meal that we make, going to the grocery store, buying the different foods, putting them together with seasonings and so forth, and we eat those. But we don't fully, well, we understand scientifically and biologically what happens But isn't it an amazing process that every day we eat and eat and eat and that food goes into our bodies and somehow we're nourished and our lives continue on day after day, year after year. Ultimately, what feeds us and nourishes us is a mystery. And it's even more so spiritually when we think of the bread of heaven and what that is for us. It is truly a mystery. It was Albert Einstein who offered words, and he really was one of the true geniuses of our time. He said, the human mind is not capable of grasping the universe. It is like a little child entering a huge library. The walls are covered to the ceilings with books in many different tongues. The child knows that someone must have written these books, but the child does not know who or how. The child does not understand the languages in which they are written, but the child notes a definite plan in the arrangement of the books, a mysterious order which it does not comprehend but only dimly suspects. The most beautiful thing we can experience is the mysterious. And so Einstein concludes, it is the source of all true art and science. The one to whom this emotion is a stranger who can no longer pause to wonder and stand wrapped in awe is as good as dead. Their eyes are closed. We need to embrace the mysterious. There was mystery in the wilderness for the children of Israel, And there are times of wilderness in our lives. There are times when we wander aimlessly, not knowing where to turn, and so often we grasp for that which we can control, that which we know we can put in order and make sense of, and if we can just get all that put together, figured out, and in place, we'll be okay. But we bump up against mystery, and this mystery is something we know and experience in vague ways as God. God is the great mystery. And God is the one to whom we can ultimately turn in whatever wildernesses we encounter. The outer limits of faith we experience them here in the twilight zone, in that nebulous time between light and darkness. There is a mystery. And we are invited sometimes just to sit in and with the mystery. Now in our second text from Second Peter, We encounter this idea that we are not to follow cleverly devised myths, the writer tells us. We are to follow Jesus Christ. And to remember that he is the beloved one. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We recall those words fell upon Jesus at his baptism. And it reminds us that we too are God's sons and daughters with whom God is well pleased. And as such, we are to connect with one another and with Christ. So you will do well, he concludes, to be attentive to this as to a lamp shining in a dark place. Imagine a room at home, all the lights out, total darkness. You strike a match, you light a lamp. How important is that lamp in the darkness? And we sit with that in the darkness until... Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. And what might that morning star be? None other than Christ himself. The great morning star rising in our hearts. Friends, we need not fear the outer limits of faith. Whatever pushes us to the borders of our reality and our darkness all the scary places. We need not be fearful. We can embrace the mystery. The twilight zone is the realization that life is not about control and knowing everything, but swimming in mystery and knowing that mystery envelops us And all creation. So life is like that. Filled with mystery, ambiguity, uncertainty. And in it all. Is one we do not fully know. But we know. Fully knows us. And will fully care for us. And envelop us. In a love so great, so great, that it will never, ever let us go. You're traveling through another dimension. A dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. A journey into a wondrous land whose boundaries are that of imagination. That's the signpost up ahead. You've arrived the twilights.